I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and they say no one's ever beaten the Van Wick. And my name is Colin Drucker, and you want a brown sweater? You got a brown sweater. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, I love that we both chose quotes from the second episode we'll be covering today. I, I think I want to do the pen first. And then Busboy second. I know I'm I'm just too excited. No one even knows what we're talking about. What do no. you mean, pen, Nick? What pen? What busboy? Yeah. yeah. What's the deal with pens and busboys? <laughs> <laughs> Very Seinfeldian of you there. Yeah, yes. they, well, you know, really, I mean, you know, people must be. Is, is this? Am I riding in a car with with a comedian having coffee right now? Was yes. it Cherry? Uh, yes. No, it's not. No, it's best supporting podcast, and we are. Uh, Kicking off June with, I think, a fun shift from from a month of Amadovar, and we are talking about some best supporting Elaine Bennis from Ugh. Seinfeld. I'm so thrilled, and I, I mean, I I can already hear Amanda Kaczynski. He's a phony. That's also another quote from Seinfeld. That Meryl Streep's a phony baloney. That's what Jerry says. Um, <laughs> but you know. Amanda, if if I miss a reference with Amanda, you automatically you've never seen anything. You know what I mean? She'll oh. she'll let you know. Mm-hmm. And I I do I do agree with you, Amanda. I have not seen it all, um, but I I know I know the hits and I know some of the deep cuts. But I I think I said a couple maybe like last month or so that I was kind of working through Seinfeld on Netflix, and I this is just you know a further reminder to do so. So this is really exciting for me. Yeah, I think you could, I think maybe, you know, I'd, I'd broker a bit of a live deal here on the podcast, but maybe you'll finish Seinfeld, she'll finish Roni, and then we'll all get all the references, and she'll know who oh, Dorinda is, you know? I, I mean, love, yeah, I mean, hey, maybe that's it. We all have our gaps, you know? Yeah, I wonder how far she got, because I feel like, I mean, I would maybe give her the path that we took, you know, three and four, seven. yeah. 9, 10, 11, 12. <laughs> I, I did go back and fill in all those gaps. And you know what? Okay. I'll, I'll tell you, I have no regrets about the path that we took. But yes. once I did go back and fill in season eight, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. And I realized that I was letting Jules Weinstein, who's not even as bad as I think I thought, uh, d- detract from so many other good things that happened that season. So... um. Just, you know, a lesson learned on the on the path of Real Housewives of New York that we've been on for the past few months. I've I've discovered that, you know, sometimes it's worth retreading your steps, you know? Absolutely. I mean, not to bury the lead here too, but I I started watching season eight this past week, Colin. So that's a whoa. perfect save it for the after show, I guess. Whoa, yeah. whoa, man. Just last night. Just last night. I uh, had a psychic hit. I could feel yes, it. I was yes. like, oh, and it feels good. It feels real good. You know, we'll we'll save it for the for the best supporting after show. But yes. uh, I one of the things I have is well, you know, I have very strong opinions about the music, the theme music from Roni. Oh God, it's such a shift. It's such a oh shift. But you know what? Part of me loves it. it it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not what I. It's not my favorite. But again, I kind of you know went back to it with fresh eyes, fresh ears, and I was like, you know what? The season eight music, it's it slaps. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> as the kids say. As the kids say. All the kids going back watching season eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I'll say this just a mini tangent, and we're going to get into Seinfeld. Is I've been starting to kind of peruse, you know, I love Reddit. And yes. RuPaul's Drag Race I, was really my birthplace for Reddit. And then I just discovered everything on Reddit from baby elephant gifts to just 
really filthy things that I didn't think would be on Reddit. And it's just been a treasure trove. But one of the things I finally enga- indulged in and engaged with was like the Real Housewives subreddit. And Oh, I bet that's great. It is. It's really great conversation. That people are really smart and are like really thoughtful about it. It's so it's so much more like it's it's so much more along the lines of the word discourse than I ever expected on Reddit for Real Housewives. So big recommend. Big recommend. Huge recommend. Huge, That's a pretty woman. I was going to say. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Did you work on commission? I, <laughs> yes. I will say this. I I'm pretty sure I that I know how Reddit works. You know, like I mm-hmm. feel like I still don't know. It's like you can search like a topic and then there are different subreddits, correct? And then you choose one. Mm-hmm. So there could be multiple subreddits for, you know, the Real Housewives of New York. Or like, is that what they're called? Or maybe uh, not. Subreddits are definitely like the little mini communities. But really, I think what it is with Reddit is, I, I guess you fall into it in different ways. But eventually what ends up happening is like, there's a, you know, uh, sometimes it'll be like, let's say baby elephant gifts, right? And then yeah. someone will cross. So, okay, I know that one. So, you know, I have an entry point. Well, then someone will cross post a into baby elephant gifts, they'll post something from like, you know, uh, uh, baby animals. And then that opens sure. it up to, oh, well, and then you go follow baby animals as well. And now your feed starts to fill up with all these subreddits that you're following. So over, over time, it's almost like a Facebook feed where you're just I getting see. You seen just posts. Scroll. I just scroll. I scroll and I scroll and I scroll. Oh. And it's, you know, if you, and depending on what your, what feeds you follow, it can be just the weirdest mix of things where it's just like, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, that boy, my brain does, does not know how to react right now. I just watched things from three different corners of content world, you know, like that was, he was naked. That elephant was cute. That car crash was pretty, you know, disastrous. And I just saw all three of those things in 45 seconds, you know? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, that's, that's nice. Even with that, like sort of crash course, I feel a little bit more confident. Maybe I'll read, uh, re-download that app really and see what I can get myself into. I'll send you some recommendations as well. Um, perfect. Yeah, perfect. baby elephant gifts being obviously where you should obviously. Yeah, start. I mean, I'm yeah. sensing a theme here. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, back to Seinfeld. I want to know because I, I mean, I feel like we've never had the Seinfeld conversation. I feel like it would. I, I mean, it's so hit or miss with people. Like Keon, just doesn't get it. But I have yet to show him these two episodes, so you never know what will happen after that. But what is your personal experience with Seinfeld when it was on and afterwards. So Seinfeld to me was always like the show that was on later at night after the news, you know, Mm -hmm. Seinfeld always felt like something that was, it always felt like a a late night rerun and late night, like 10 PM, 11 PM. And so I always associated as something more for adults and, and not, you know, like HBO for adults, but just like, Oh, these are, this is, this is not family matters, you know, um, these are, these are jokes you get if you're older. So I never really got into it, you know, when it was on. And I remember when they had the last episode and it was like this huge moment in television and people were watching it in times square on the big screen. It was like bananas. And all of that really, I just, you know, bypassed me completely. And then to be honest, I feel like I have never, watched a full episode of Seinfeld but I have seen like I think I've seen parts of the pen I have seen many parts of the episode where the Kenny Rogers roasters opens up outside of oh uh, yeah Kramer's yes. apartment you know I have a flashbulb memory of him just like inhaling fr- fried chicken in his bed yeah um, yes 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 I'm aware of the soup Nazi you know I so there's like things I know about it but like for example, watching the pen was, I think, the first time it really clicked for me of like, oh, Jerry and Elaine like dated at some point. I never yeah. so details like that never really occurred to me. And I think nuances about Kramer. I only really ever saw him as like, you know, 
coming through the door. You know what I mean? Oh, hey, you know, but like, it's like, oh, there's actually a lot more nuance to this performance. So. Yeah. Kramer is a hipster doofus. That's another deep cut. But uh, so take that, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> Man. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I feel like Michael Scott right now. Man, I love inside jokes. I'd love to be part of one someday. <laughs> yes. um, anyway, so that's that's my experience with it. What's your, I mean, we know you haven't seen every episode, but what is yes. your Seinfeld experience? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that Seinfeld was always on, 7.30 every weeknight uh, in my house growing up. And my dad got into it first, and I don't think he got in at the beginning, if I'm remembering properly. I feel like, I remember, yeah, it's like maybe like the last couple seasons is when he got on board, but they would always have... I mean, I'd say like it's it's a it's like a mixed bag because like he would always watch reruns after it was like over too. So it's just a, probably a little bit of both. Um, and as a result of that, you know, like I I would watch every once in a while, but my brother got into it first because I do think, and it's something that you know you have to talk about like this like like the comedic style of Seinfeld. Like it is. It's pretty singular, and I, I, I mean, I can't think of another show like it, but, like, you do have to sort of allow that to wash over you to, and then to, like, fully appreciate it. But I can see mm -hmm. why people... It's, like, the same thing. I don't know if there's a correlation here, but, like, I guess for Keon, this is kind of the case. Like, he doesn't like the awkwardness of Seinfeld sometimes, and he doesn't like the awkwardness of The Office, and he doesn't watch either of them, too. But, like, I would never compare Seinfeld to The Office at the same time. Well, it's interesting that, you know, because I, I get like, yeah, there's 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 definitely like, a, you know, the awkwardness of human interactions. But then you guys have like binged Parks and Rec, which I think pulls yes. some of that into their kind of tone as well. Yeah, I think he, if I really wanted to do like a rewatch and I think I could persuade him to get into it. And I think once you kind of get past the initial Michael Scott season one, you know what I mean? Like Diversity mm -hmm. Day. It does. I I I'd like to say it toned down. I don't think it's as as kind of painful to watch as the UK version, where like you're just marinating in how awful Ricky Gervais Oof. is. You know, yikes. Yeah. Uh, I feel like with The Office, you know, I I like season one, but I think like for me, I always think the turning point is in season two, the Halloween episode. At the very end, he's alone in his condo, and then these kids show up, and he's like, oh, my oh, God, look yeah. at you, and you're a bee. And, and he's so funny with them, and then he opens the bag, and it all spills, and he's like, all of that, that's all for you. And we finally see yes. Michael, after a day of, like, getting, you know, firing that guy and just being a total idiot, we see this, like, really human moment with him. And I think that's where, like, what, I, what made me really like The Office was, like, okay, you have to round this out. I don't want to be uncomfortable for 22 minutes every episode, you know? Yeah, it's like if I could just get key onto that episode or to like Pam's art show, you know what I mean? Just like those those moments where you're reminded of how great Michael is. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I feel like uh, you could even just show him that Halloween episode. I feel like you don't need to have you don't need to start from the beginning. You should just start with the Halloween episode and then, yeah. you know, uh, fill in the gaps. That's right. All Choose right. your own adventure. But yeah, I guess I guess my question for you, too, and and. Uh, especially since you haven't seen it, maybe you don't have an answer, uh, but do you subscribe to this sort of humor, like this Larry David brand of humor? I, I have not watched a lot of Curb. I feel like I watched maybe the first season and it was almost too much for me. I'd probably like to go back at some point, but do you do you understand it and does it, does it tickle your funny bone, Colin? Yeah, I think it's very... Um... It's very smart. I like I appreciate the way in which it's, you know, quote unquote a show about nothing. Like I like how it in a way Seinfeld, I feel like scenes are allowed to breathe a little bit to use kind of a pretentious term because they sure. can they can run for a little bit longer to kind of like just play out. You know, for example, in the pen, I feel like there are moments in that in his parents living room that you feel like you're watching a play, you know, and it's just kind of it doesn't feel rushed to get to the next scene or the next, not even the next joke because the jokes are coming very quickly, but it, it there's something that feels elevated about it. Does that make sense? Like it, it's, yeah. it's not a big bang theory, you know? Yeah. There's no, I mean, even I'm, I'm sure they have live audiences with this show too, but I, there is, like you said, it's, there are times where it kind of, I guess that, um, 
much along the lines of like, even though they're not the same show, like an Aaron Sorkin West Wing sort of like walking down the hall moments is like the same as, you know, the beginning of the pen when um, Jerry's parents and him are in the kitchen. They're talking about Elaine. And he's like, we're not really together. She's like, well, why not together? And he's like, I'm just looking. And, he, and dad's like, what are you looking for? He's like, I don't know. And then she's like, well, how long are you going to look? He's like, I don't know. I might go for the record. Like, just like mm-hmm. that sort of, but it's funny to me. Like, I might go for the record. I I love Jerry. I know a lot of people don't like, like, I'm getting ahead of it. You know, like, we could talk about, like, which characters resonated with you. But one thing is for certain. Elaine is, you know, supreme in my eyes. I just love Julia Louis-Dreyfus in general, and I'm I'm excited to get into it. Well, I think, you know, on the note of, of, of loving Jerry, I mean, that was something that I, uh, watching this, Jerry in particular, it was, it, it's, you know, it's funny. I, you know, a recent episode on of The Squirrel Friends, uh, mm-hmm. I, I was compared in certain ways that I think are, not inaccurate <laughs> to Carson Kressley uh, yes. in terms of, I, I think looks, I think we can all agree. I do not look like him. Yes. Uh, I think absolutely. we need to all agree. I don't look like him. Uh, yes, but, this is not a Rachel um, Dratch yeah. moment. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I do not resemble him, but I could understand that there's a similar kind of like, you know, uh, you know, Virginia Slim's aunt kind of vocal quality and whatnot. Yes, uh, yes. And, and so I was, I, and I've, again, not insulted by that. I, in fact, I was like, wow, I can't unsee how accurate this is. And I was very impressed. And I was having a very similar experience with Jerry Seinfeld and you. <gasps> Whoa. Has no one ever told you how Seinfeld you are? No, but now what? that you say it, yeah. I Amanda, mean, I say, you gotta get get on the horn and back me up. <laughs> I know. I mean, I. But I would say, I would agree absolutely. And even with my own stand up, like for sure, it's very Seinfeldian. Like I love his stand up. That's one of like the greatest joys of like these rewatches of just like how like ordinary and like seemingly basic his comedy is, is what makes it like equally as compelling and just funny. Like it's funny cause it's true, but it is. And I really love that a lot, but, um, Ooh, I'm so excited about that. Yes. Oh, it it's like, even like, you know, visual, like you don't look exactly like him in the way that I look zero yeah. ways like Carson Kresley, but you sure. don't not look like him. Like <laughs> sure, I could see that. Yeah, there's like if you had if you could put on that kind of pompadour hair that he's got on and like a button-down <laughs> '90s shirt and tuck it into some jeans, I don't yeah. think I'd know the difference. There we go. <laughs> like if you could if you could just say for me, and what's the deal with grape nuts? I feel like I wouldn't know who I'm talking to right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Even just um, what's that line from? Was it in the pen? He's like, "What is wrong with you people? What is wrong with this?" Env-? Like this community. Yeah. Like that sort of, oh God, I do love, I do love when people do Jerry Seinfeld impressions well. I think that that's mm-hmm. a, a really specific, like Jimmy Fallon does a good Jerry Seinfeld. It's not that hard to do. Yeah. And, and it's, and if you can't do a good one, do let a, a, an objectively bad one is usually my approach. Sure. Uh, yeah. Lean in. So that's, I mean, I, I may just be seeking validation here, especially for people listening. Has it ever occurred to you, man, Nick sounds like Jerry Seinfeld sometimes, you know, let us know. Yeah. Then this yeah, is right this is not a this isn't this is a, not an insult in any way by the way. He's I would never even take it that way. Good. It's probably how you feel the same way about Carson. It's like, yeah, I I love it. I get it. I, I mean, this. you know, I feel like at the end of the day, I think I I mean, I know personally that helped me complete the recipe that I'm basically Carson Kressley meets Jocelyn Fox. You know what I mean? Like that's kind <laughs> yes. of that would womp, be the womp, best way yeah. to sound to describe what I sound like. So uh, it it helps me understand myself better, which is great. Um, that's like also a great like Instagram bio line you know what I mean like mm-hmm. I'm a mix of Carson Kressley and Jocelyn Fox yeah like, womp, womp, and womp. then call it a day <laughs> yeah and, and then just watch the boys roll in like that's right yeah. yeah just <laughs> drop their pants <laughs> yeah. yeah oh my god I'm not gonna need reddit anymore I'll tell you that much <laughs> uh, so so let's talk about this. Was uh, your idea uh, as the yes. Seinfeld Maven of, of the podcast? Yes. And I feel like I have, you know, uh, 
I would never. I've oh, I maybe because of the the reminiscence, the the, the Seinfeld esque qualities. Um, mm-hmm. I have always just assumed that you were like a very seasoned Seinfeld watcher. So, how much have you like? What would you say? What percentage of the Seinfeld catalog have you completed? That's that's probably a, the fair question too, because if you asked Amanda Kaczynski the same question, she'd be like, "He barely probably saw like two seasons, you know, like through the side of her teeth." That's mm. how she'd say it. Um, but I would say sixty percent, if I'm being generous, maybe seventy or seventy-five. But I mean, we had. I remember the the Christmas that we got Seinfeld seen it. I won quite a few rounds, and my brother and dad were, you know, that was an event. <laughs> they were not happy. I mean, but hey, I, again. It- yeah, I mean, listen. If you won Seinfeld, seen it, I think I think you need to lead with that. Maybe, yeah. uh, maybe that should have been open, your opening line. My name is Nick Kachanov, and I won <laughs> Seinfeld, seen it. Yes, take that, Amanda Kachinsky. Maybe that needs to be your Instagram handle. What if Amanda title, and I you know? we did like a you know uh, like a Patreon live situation of Amanda and I playing Seinfeld, seen it, and see like who would win? I would love if I won. Oh, I would love God. That. I would, I would absolutely, I feel like if it only if it's somehow like a live event. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to be together so she could like hit me if I yeah. want, you know. Seen it, Real Housewives, oh. if that doesn't exist. Universe? Yeah, or even like Real Housewives, guess who? You know what I mean? Like. Oh my yeah. God. Why, why hasn't anyone oh. made that? I like. Can't believe you just yeah. said that. Real high. Have we guess, guess guess who? who? Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Does this person sound like a seagull when she laughs? What? 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 <laughs> you could ask such interesting questions. Um, you know what I mean? Like, right? Were they ever an alcoholic at one point? You know. Anyway, sorry. Let's talk too many about tangents. this pen. Yes, that's okay. I mean, all great tangents, in my opinion. It's just an episode about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> So Uncle Lenny boom, right boom, now. Boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Leo. Uncle Leo. Like those, oh, God, Amanda, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't roll your eyes at me. <laughs> She's like, Uncle Lenny. Uncle says, Lenny. Yeah, what is this? Uh, step by step. Um, yeah. So let's start with the pen. Yeah, this is season three, episode three. Um, and I love that these are like earlier on in like the life of the series, too, because I think really most shows kind of pick, you know, get their momentum in like season two or three. And this is... This is no exception. Um, and I, I, I'm so glad. The reason why I picked this, of course, is because of Elaine. And, like, really, Elaine is truly living my life in this episode of throwing her back out oh, and just yeah. wanting the AC to be turned on. So there, that was, like, a happy coincidence. But just, like, all of the the residents uh-huh. of the, the, you know, the we'll call it a retirement community, you know, whatever it is of... That where Jerry's parents live, I think that's just like a treasure trove, and I feel I feel like you'd be into that. Oh my god, this was it was interesting because I mean I was you know reading the trivia, you know trying to catch up for seeing it, but like it was the only episode to not to not have George, one of the only episodes to not yes. have uh, Kramer, Kramer, and so just Jerry and Elaine in Florida at his parents' place, and and then like they had like six or eight additional characters i mean there's like you know jerry's parents and then um there's i mean it's like jack and doris clompus jack and so and and jack's the one with the pen jack's the one with the infamous pen right yes that's the one and jack clompus is one of my favorite probably next to like george's parents Mm -hmm. like favorite just sort of like ancillary characters in the seinfeld universe i think that's one of like the 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 best parts of Seinfeld. I think that's like such a great question. Like, well, who are your top five like favorite supporting characters mm-hmm. of the Seinfeld universe? Because there are so many. I have to say this right off the bat, Colin, because I've been holding this in ever since I watched it last week. Did you notice who plays yes. Doris Clompus? Okay. Yes. Have you ever had a Krispy Kreme? I could not believe what I was <laughs> <No>. seeing. <laughs> I. I questioned it at first. I was like, wait, because her name is Annie uh, Corzin and she is TikTok famous now. She, as Colin just referenced, like, have you ever had a Krispy Kreme? Was it crispy? Um, yeah. Like it, that, that whole, like, I mean, I love, she just is like this older Jewish woman who lives in like 
she lives in California, but she has such New York energy mm-hmm. too. But like, she has this fabulous house, and it makes sense that she was kind of just like, yeah, I did some acting back in the day, and you know, probably getting those Seinfeld residuals. Like, good for her. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I I was happy to see that like this woman who, yeah, like many people, I discovered on TikTok was not just like some vagrant in a red sweater like somebody someone was looking after her she's somebody she was in Seinfeld yes. once so uh so that was a nice pleasant surprise uh yeah and it was nice to see uh an alum of this podcast um there was Birdie from Getting On and Gilbert or <gasps> Gilbert I never know how to pronounce it plays Evelyn who's oh just like another random resident and what I loved about this was instead of like uh sort of mashing ca- like having like you know Doris for example kind of have the same function that Evelyn would cuz Evelyn's just another like gossip in the neighborhood so yes. like instead of just like oh well let's not have too many like characters or too many people in this episode they instead are like no let's also have this random woman Evelyn who just comes in to gossip for a couple scenes I love it. Like, do I wish it was Annie Cor- uh, Corzin? Like, kind of, but I'm glad that Evelyn got, like, what a great, like, sort of assistant to the BSA moment. Like, Jerry, you got thin. <laughs> oh, like... I love that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So where's the new pen? I like, and just like the reaction of everyone. I just love, I love this show so much. Um, But yeah, I mean. I, I know you were mentioning all the adults, like Uncle Leo, a.k.a. Uncle Lenny. Uncle Lenny, uh, yeah. With Aunt Stella, who plays, you know, an, or at least her name plays an important role in this episode. More on that later. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, um, jam-packed of of characters, uh, to say the least. And, I, I mean, I feel like the, yeah, the, the trips to Florida to, the, like, I mean, there's so much about this. And I was thinking about this before, of, like, even seeing Seinfeld as a kid, on TV, even not really understanding it. Like I knew it was set in New York and like, it feels like something that is so like, so New York, like beyond 30 rock. It is so New York. And an extension of that is Florida being the kind of like ancillary retirement community. And it just feels, there's something about all of this that feels like deeply familiar in a way that I feel like I haven't even earned because I don't, I'm not that familiar with the show. And I yeah. wonder if all of this, this like, you know, obviously in, in the next episode, we're going to talk about the Van Wick and all of that. I wonder how all of this res- <laughs> resonates for, say, somebody in California where the that kind of nuance of New York life and then the kind of connection to Florida, the retirement connection to Florida doesn't really exist, you know? That's really interesting. I mean, yeah, even if... I'm trying to think of like what the opposite would be. Like what's a show that's in California that we like really like, like a a comedy that that is like deeply about yeah, California. That, yeah, that has there, that yeah. is referential like even 30 Rock or Seinfeld. Like it made more sense and I would laugh. Like like a Liz Lemon moment of like her on the subway, like uh, the doors are closing, like this train is now going express for no reason uh-huh. at all. And then she's like, "Ah!" Uh, but that happens and I get that it's like you know inside baseball but yeah I can't think of any there's probably one that's like I feel like dramas are on the west coast and comedies are on the east coast oh that's interesting yeah well I know you know I think with with the with the west coast you know the the sort of general example or cliche I can think of is just like in southern California and the LA area it's like oh the traffic and you know the the talking about like you know this highway and that one and that issue and then like the kind of nuances of, of certain neighborhoods, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh, they're in, you know, Silver Lake. And like what that means is sort of similar to how people say, Oh, they live in Brooklyn in New York. And so like, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm using that example as like, I don't know those things personally, but like I've seen enough shows and I've, and I kind of know enough trivia about California to get in theory, what these jokes mean. Um, a perfect example <clears throat> would be when we did Clueless and uh, Queen in Waiting, Dan Hedaya, who we couldn't remember last week. Ugh. That's the other one who's going to get added to the Westons. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I remembered it Excellent. after. Um, he he says to share, um, you can, anywhere in L.A. takes 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And that to me. Share, get in here. Yeah, share, get in here. Uh, and so I feel like that feels like an example of like, okay, well, I don't know that to be true, but that's like a, it's an L.A. joke you know yeah like i i i know like 
what the grove is, you uh-huh. know, but like, I, but I don't, I, I was almost thinking this, but I guess this is all New York was, um, the other two, is that in New York or LA or both? I think it kind of ended up being both. I think, okay. I feel like it like started in New York. I, it, there's, it, it's set a lot in New York, but I feel like at some point they do go to LA. So, okay. um, yeah. When's that coming back? By the way, we need, let's put that out into the universe. I here. know. <laughs> Today. Right. Hello. Yeah. But anyway, uh, well, speaking of hellos, it's like I don't think we need to go through the episode like bit by bit, but like to kind of just give, you know, high level sort of explanation of this. It's Jerry goes with Elaine to visit his parents in Florida because uh, what is it? Mr. Seinfeld is the outgoing president of the condo association and they have like this ceremony i guess to kind of say goodbye or like uh, it's almost like a retirement party of Mm -hmm. sorts yeah and um within this we meet jack clompus and doris um and he pulls out the the astronaut pen that you can write upside down and jerry's talking about how he writes jokes in the middle of the night you know and then he gives him the pen but like ultimately you know chaos ensues because he never should have take the pen or took the pen because everyone now knows that he quote unquote like for almost force Jack into it. So it escalates. Elaine throws off her back. The AC's never turned on. And, uh, you know, Elaine eventually takes too many muscle relaxers. That's my, you know, two-minute breakdown of the episode. <laughs> I love how he just threw the pages in the air halfway through and was like, and then this happened and that happened whatever. Yeah, was I was like, I could, I, this is getting too detailed. I'm just going to, you know, yeah. bring it on home. For a show about nothing, I'm certainly saying a lot. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the, a moment, I feel like this... This almost felt like a, a classic Seinfeld beat was, you know, he, he it, it, this whole back and forth with, with Jack of take the pen. No, I couldn't take the pen. No, take the pen. Oh, well, do I me could. a favor. Yeah, do me. And, and they do that whole thing. It's like Gilmore Girls wishes. You know what I mean? Yes. And then, <laughs> uh, and then Jack leaves and it, then it's Jerry's mother who goes, well, why did you do that? And that to me oh, feels yes. like a real Seinfeld joke of like, you think you're acting like a normal human being. And then suddenly it's like, oh, you stepped in it. What are you doing? Like that just, I know that's kind of her bit this whole episode of, well, why would you do that? Why would you want to get in the water? Why would you want to do that? But I felt like her doing that after Jack left of, well, now why did you take the pen? That kind of kicked off the, the, the running joke of the episode, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of Mrs. Seinfeld played by the incomparable Liz Sheridan. I, I, I really love Jerry's mom a lot. I love both his parents and like the little, like this is just like a little bit of trivia, but like, I think in the, initially in the first or at least the first time that we ever met Jerry's parents, um, the his dad was played by a different actor, mm-hmm. um, but then was replaced by Barney Martin, who is great. I think both of them are perfect together. But like Mrs. Seinfeld has a lot of those moments, like when you know, infamously, infamously, there's an episode where Jerry made out during Schindler's List, and he uh-huh. comes in the door and he closes the door, and she's immediately right there, and it's very much the same energy of like. Why did you take that pen? Just like hands on the hips, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. She, it's great. She really is, I mean, overall, if we're looking at Elaine as the BSA, I think Helen is my assistant to the BSA. I think she is so funny in this episode. And it's so much just like even little things of like shivering in the sweater once they, they you know, because it's like they have one awful sleepless night in this incredibly hot, uncomfortable bed. And then the next morning, Elaine is, you know, in 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 pain and exhausted and exhausted and looks up at Helen and was like, could you please turn on the air conditioner? <laughs> yes. And just like the untelegraphed joke of like later in the day, like Elaine's on the floor, you know, with her legs up on, on the couch cushions and Helen sitting on the couch huddled forward, wrapped up in a sweater. And like, yep. see, there's no, there's no exclamation point on that. They don't underline that joke. It's just like when you get it, you know what I mean? Like it took me a moment to realize, Oh my God, she's bundled up because they are conditioner. And I, I, know. I thought that was so smart. That's like Keon when we go to bed, when he wears his hoodie, oh, sleeveless God. hoodie, but he wears a hoodie. Yeah. When right. the AC's on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I relate to it on so many levels with the AC battles and like also, uh, you know, that, that, she would it's not even like she's trying to be passive aggressive about it she's just cold uh-huh. and like even when like elaine says please mrs seinfeld turn on the air conditioner she's like you're hot right you're like there's hot? like a big pause yeah mm-hmm. it's great i don't think i even know how to work that thing right he says 
<laughs> but then, yeah, Morty Morty suggests, you know, for this dinner tonight, maybe take a couple muscle relaxers. And so um, it's kind of like, you know, it's such a, it's such a wonderful act one and maybe this case act two gun of like, OK, if if muscle relaxers are being presented in act two. We're this has to manifest in act three. And so, you know, it's funny how like in each of these episodes, Elaine sort of gets she gets to be like a a, a featured part of act three of both of these episodes, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. It's like save almost save the best for last, too. And one of my favorite like. As far as, like, I think in general, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is, like, a really great physical comedian as well, too. Like, she doesn't always have the opportunity to, to do it. But, like, when she, like, there's an episode where she throws, like, George's toupee out the window. And it's great. She's like, you see this? She's like, I hate this thing. And then she throws <laughs> it out the window. And, like, but there's, like, a sort of, they kind of, like, tackle each other a little bit before that happens. So her just, like, thrashing around in that bed, like, I feel like... Oh, God, that part was... When she's like, uh, why can't I just get comfortable? Or, or what is with this bar? And she's, like, literally spins, like, you know, like a like a hot dog rolling in a 7-Eleven, you know? It was yes. so funny. Yeah, the bar is right in her back. And there's one... I didn't write it down. I thought I did, where she's like, I'm hot in bed the way she says it is so because like it's kind of a dumb line but like it made me laugh well, like we, she can make anything work we are that it, it is the worst feeling i'm hot in bed it's the yes. worst fucking feeling i mean there's probably worse but it's not good yeah it's not i mean and especially since you don't have any control of it. I even like this past trip to um, New Hampshire, Keon's parents don't really put the AC on. And it was like, it was scorching in New Hampshire. Like when we got there, it was like 88 the first Saturday we got in. And, but like, I'm used to it. So it's fine. But like what I have, like, it, it's not your, uh, like your house. So you don't feel as comfortable, like ordering people around about the temperature. Uh -huh. It's the perfect setup for like comedy too, because like, I can't say that. I can't tell her to turn it on, but eventually the pain, you know, compels her to do so and do you so you don't ever have to like finally break and ask like she'll she'll say well i guess we could put the fan on for a bit like what what finally gets yeah. the air conditioner on in that house i don't know there's another room there's like a sitting room and then there, there are like two living rooms basically one's more of a sitting room, room and the other one is like where i was actually working for most of the day mm -hmm. like when i was working up there and they do have like a split system uh, so I could just like turn that on and sort of isolate myself in there too. But, and the saving grace of everything is that uh, typically we spend, like we're in a bedroom upstairs, but his uh, Aunt Camellia was there visiting from Lebanon. Mm. So we were downstairs in the basement, which was like sub-zero, oh. even on a hot day. It was, it really truly felt like there was AC down there. It was almost too cold. And I mean, I love that. So it felt really great. So that was something that was really nice as well. Wow. You know, it's funny yeah. as we're talking about this, it's like, I just can't believe how much this episode is your life. I just, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just baffled the like traveling and being on this trip yeah. where it's like, well, it's, it's really only like two days if you think about it, you know? And then <laughs> I did this, love that bit. Right. I did love that bit. Cause I think bit, that yeah. way all the time. It's like, you know, we're going to yeah. leave the airport. So it's like, if you think about it, it's not really three days. It's, it's really like 25 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, being like being somewhere where it's too hot and your back hurts and oh god, um, yeah, all that's missing are the muscle relaxers. Yes, I mean, and really, like, there's this like the funny thing also too is that Jerry goes scuba diving without Elaine because she threw her back out, and he comes back looking like. You know, there's this story, and I don't know if this is actually a, a possibility. It kind of makes sense to me. Like, the, the suction in the goggles was too tight, and basically, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's one of those things that people get on their backs when they, like, uh, what is that called? Cupping? You know what I mean? Oh, Just, like, yes. Pull their eyeballs out of yes. their socket. But he looks like he got into a brawl. So it, it sets it up in a more, like, really farcical way that like he has to wear glasses to this ceremony and Elaine is hopped up on uh, muscle relaxers. It's perfect. It's yeah. It's a great setup to then like the next scene being them, all, all the four of them posing for a picture. And it's, I, I like this cut in sitcoms where it's like the jump cut to the joke, you know? Um, yeah. 
and then they just kind of let it marinate. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this whole last scene is just, you could just watch Elaine just doing variations of being hopped up. Yeah. I mean, it really, this, like you said, this is like, it is like a one act play, like a one act farce, Mm -hmm. even like less than that too, because it has like the perfect ending as well. It's just like, it's chaos and then like curtain down, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's a, you know, uh, Morty and and Jack get into a fight at the, at the ceremony. And wait, what does Jack say? He broke my, my dental cap. What is, is that what he said? Yeah. What, what was it? He broke my dental cap. (laughs) Something. I was like, I don't even know what that means, but I love like uh morty during that like i love where he's like um he gave my son a pen and he takes it back tell him about that <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah that's yeah. one of my favorite lines that. of the episode because even when jack takes the pen back because jerry's like just take it i don't want it anymore and then he takes it and then you know morty's he rushes in there he's like he got a lot of nerve taking that kid's pen like he's like six you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah right uh uh it's oh, so good. So I, good. I, I really... And, like, going back to Elaine, I mean, the, the crown jewel of this episode, she's hopped up on muscle relaxers and meets Uncle Leo, who is also one of my great... Like, one of my favorites, sort of... He has a lot of great moments. Uh, he just pops in every once in a while, too, and he's always annoying, and Jerry's never happy to see him. But his wife, also Jerry's uh, aunt, is named Stella, and she just goes full streetcar and just can't stop screaming Stella. And it's perfect. Yeah, and I feel like that was one of the little things I knew about Seinfeld, but like it was like a reference where I was like, I don't I I don't get this joke. So it felt good to kind of close the gap of knowing what Stella from Seinfeld was about. Oh yeah, it's a classic. I was I kinda I think I forgot about it to be honest. Like I knew I picked it because I know she threw it back out and there's, you know, there's a lot of the the older actors and actresses in this episode, but that was just like also an added bonus too. It was great. Yeah. And then at the end of Lane, because of her back, you know, it needs to stay, you know, not move and they need to stay at Jerry and uh, Jerry's parents for another like four or five days. Ugh, nightmare. Nightmare. I, the anxiety that I felt, I was like, I was trapped in the Fort Lauderdale airport again. I was like, oh no, this is, you need to get out of there. I don't care what you do. You need to get out of there. Yeah. And Jerry's saying, well, I, I don't really need to be here. Right. So why don't I just, yeah, I would, I would hate that. I would hate that. Yeah. Ugh. A great episode. Did you have any final thoughts uh, before we move on to our second episode we're covering today? No, this was a th- this was the one I had started with. So we are going in a good order, and this was a nice warm up for what I think is is a you know I, in my opinion uh, an episode with a just a, a a marvelous moment of television in general. Oh God, yes. I mean, this is this is the Elaine monologue. Like, this is the lip sync. Like, yes, some drag queen yes. has to do this. Uh huh. Uh, yes. This is uh. So going back to the uh, season two, episode twelve, mm-hmm. uh, the bus boy. Yes, and we get Kramer and George in this episode too, which is great because we didn't really have a chance. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me ask you this, because I, I, you know. We know we love Elaine too. Are there any of the core four that really you don't like, or you don't find funny, or you know, like who is your least favorite of the four? Oh, that's a good question. Because I, you know, it's funny. It's like I've I've always been familiar with these four characters, and I think mm-hmm. what's really interesting in the Bus Boy was the way that Jerry doesn't really have a story. It's not really about him at all. He is the yes. supporting character, and so the other three are the are, you know, and really, I guess it's a bit more. Uh, Kramer and George but you know what I one of the things with like George is George is so many men in New York George is so accurate it's scary and I like even if I find like George like annoying or whatever sometimes as a character because the things that he's doing I'm oh or, and and to be honest you know Jason Alexander sometimes in interviews talking about merrily we roll along is like the worst thing I've there ever seen yes, ever yes, yes. Uh, or, or as yeah. he would like to call it merrily uh, yes I I am just so in awe of how accurate George Costanza is as like a character and as a and as a representation of New York he's it's just, I, can't, I couldn't even put my finger on why. It's just so accurate. And I've met so many Georges in my life. So, um, yeah. And then Kramer, here's my big takeaway from this episode. 
I don't know what to do with these feelings, but like Kramer's got slight monkey qualities. He does. I don't think that Michael Richards is a bad looking guy. Even like Jerry, to be honest, like especially like young Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. I was like, you can get it. Yeah, they, I'm, absolutely. I'm I mean, all three of them, like, you know, younger Jason Alexander was cute as well. They're, they're, sure. they're good looking guys. It's interesting that they play such menches on this show. And like you kind of miss like, oh, yeah, underneath that they're, you know, they're handsome guys. Uh, and, yeah. and Kramer, I found to be so charming this episode. <laughs> yeah. He, he was... knows Spanish. You know, he's really kind of, I mean, I love that apartment scene. Oh, uh, and stuff, he's but... he's so subtle in it. He's so not over the top. There's just this real, I, I, I was, I think in some ways I was most impressed with Kramer. I mean, except for Elaine. I was like most wowed by Kramer this episode in terms of like, oh, I only think of you in the extremes. I never think of you having these like nuanced moments. Yeah, I think much like um, much like Countess Luann, I feel like Kramer has like maybe not as dramatic of an arc as Luann too, but like I think he evolves over time. Like season one Kramer is like season one, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something else, you know, like uh Leslie Nope or something uh-huh. like that. You know what I mean? Like they're still cooking a little bit, but and, and I think even in season two, he still kind of has that. It was more subtle because like the door thing. Yeah. You know what I mean, like uh-huh. the door evolves over time and then it eventually came became into, you know, what we now know as like a famous like Kramer entrance. But I find that interesting. I mean, I, I also love Kramer a lot. I, and I think I would add Jason Alexander to the list of like Emmy snubs that I I just Jason Alexander should have an Emmy for this show and he doesn't. Wow. Elaine does. Uh, Julie uh, Louis Dreyfus does, and Michael Richards does. I maybe Jerry was nominated, but I don't think he ever won for acting. I I feel like he was the least nominated. He's like you know, the um the Kristen Davis of the group. Uh-huh. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like you know it's it's yeah. I mean, in some ways, it's kind of like Tina Fey on Thirty Rock. You're kind of yeah. just playing yourself, you know. Yeah, but like, do I love it? You know, but do yes, I love it? Does it work? Of course. I'm looking to see he was a, I don't know if he was ever nominated on his own. I think he was only ever nominated for Emmys, you know. Oh, in 1996, he got nominated for lead actor. Okay. So, you, you know, yeah, yeah, good for but you. Yeah, I'm. I think Jason should have an Emmy for this. Um, it's, it's similar to like Jane Krakowski for 30 Rock, even like Rain Wilson for The Office, in addition to Steve Carell. We don't even need to go there. Ugh. Don't even go there. Um, but yeah, like the, all of these Emmy, like I, it's just crazy that with all of these long run, like these shows that have had a decent run and like were cultural phenomenons in their own way too. It's like they should, it's, it's, I bet like not everyone or I, I feel like everyone just expects that Steve Carell had like won all the awards every year. It's like when people didn't know that Leonardo DiCaprio didn't have an Oscar or Glenn Close or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like at some point you must have just gotten one along the way. But yeah. Uh, well, in this episode, uh, an episode that's, you know, uh, Jerry would certainly not be nominated for and that he's. Uh, not featured yeah, much at all. Kind of in the background. Uh, this is so much more about yeah. This little. This also feels to me like a very Seinfeldian kind of thing. Is like it's the domino effect of like oh I just did this one thing and then it made someone else you know it made everything kind of go off the rails like that feels like yep. something George has gone through before and will go through again. Oh yeah, and and there is something really satisfying about watching George squirm because he does get really anxious, <laughs> which yeah. I can relate to and it's also really fun to watch yeah uh and so yeah so he ends up accidentally or you know uh getting a bus boy fired from a restaurant and uh and then he and kramer eventually go to this bus boy's apartment you know somehow <laughs> elaine gets this guy's you know address and they go to his apartment to apologize and of course this was where my heart was in my throat the rest of the episode because when they go there to apologize they leave the front door open, and the busboy Antonio's cat, Paquita, escapes the apartment. And at that point, I was like, nobody warned me. I know. I didn't even think about <laughs> it. But Paquita came home at the end, oh, I feel, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things I loved about this episode is that in terms of the, the busboy story, you know, they it, it is one thing after the other, and then at the very end the busboy comes to Jerry's apartment. I don't even know why that happened, but um, 
but he comes to the apartment and then, you know, explains to George that there was a gas leak at the restaurant and the whole place blew up and killed everyone, <laughs> including the new bus boy. And, you know, um, and if I wasn't there, I would have died. And while I was out looking for Paquita, I found another job that's going to pay me twice as much. And then when I got home, uh, waiting there, perhaps frightened from the blast, as he says, <laughs> yes, <laughs> was Paquita. Paquita came home and I just was like, oh, thank God, because I thought yes. this show is not going to give me a happy ending for this cat. I just don't expect it to give me this. And um, and I love that even at the very end, because then, of course, you know, uh, Antonio gets into a fight with with Elaine's, Ed. you know, friend Ed on the stairs and gets hurt. And so there's that great little joke at the end of George saying that he has to go feed Paquita every day. Um, yes. So that made me feel really good. Uh, to summarize the kind of A part of this that's not really Elaine related, I I love this because there was, I know it's kind of rare for Seinfeld, but there was that kind of like feel good moment when the when Antonio hugs George, you know, and was like, so thank you, thank you. And it was like, oh, and then, oh no, then George and, and Kramer do this kind of like very real seeming yes. high five. Yes. Yes, and they kind of miss. Yeah. I, I mean, assistant to the BSA is Antonio, played by David Labiosa. I think he's perfect. Yeah. And that whole thing, like, well, now I must go. For today, I am starting my new and wonderful job, and I am very late. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you all. Like, it and it felt like some sort of tropey after-school special thing. Like, I don't know, like, it, it seemed, I don't know if they were, like, making fun of some sort of type of scene, but it just, like, was so funny. Yeah, he was. I was. It, he almost seems like the how present he was in this episode. He almost seemed like he'd be a recurring character. Yeah, and he's hot too. Like, oh, he's so good looking. Yes, yeah. He, you know, I mean, listen. You want to talk about paquitas? All you got to do is check the crotch of them worn out jeans. Was, I know. Yeah, I think I know where paquitas hiding. <laughs> <laughs> I think I found the cat, guys. Yes. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so good. Yeah, honestly, I, I, he's so just like dark and brooding and sexy, and uh, I, I love when he like yells at Kramer and George because like really that, it, that's like sort of where that Seinfeld cringe comes in. You know what I mean? Like, like, but I love how he just sits there and lets George sweats. Oh yeah, and he tries to try to save himself, and Kramer breaks the lamp. Oh, right, and right. Asks for a glass of water, he's like, "Will you hurry up, please?" Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah it, it's a great little a plot and again yeah jerry is just kind of there to you know listen to their problems and that's it uh, uh and meanwhile yeah elaine's got ed in town and now this this was one of those anxieties that i i don't know if i've i've experienced exactly but i know what this is of like you know she's got this guy in town who they've you know spent some time together before slept together went on a few dates he's from seattle he's in new york for a week and is staying with her and Mm -hmm. at some point within the week she is very much ready for him to leave and i i love this running theme of like both episodes are like elaine wanting to leave or wanting someone else to leave oh yeah that's true and like it's great it's not only for comedic effect but like i i can't really say i've been in a lane situation but i've certainly been on the other side like i'm i'm out of town and you know i overestimated how much i i mean i spoiler alert i always want to leave first mm-hmm. <laughs> everywhere i go i'm ready to go you know like yep. that's you know where it's like please leave by nine when i'm hosting or you know i i just it's an awful situation especially when you're out of town like we, you know, with Elaine in in Florida in the last episode with this, but yeah, it's like, oh my god, I have two more days, and I'm just, it's it's not. I think it's even made even more perfect of like the description of Ed is like he's really not even that bad of a guy, but I just hate his guts. Right. Like, it's yeah, yeah. I I get it. Oh my god, the anxiety of that feeling of like, I have two more days. Like I. I have like no tolerance for that and not in like a um I refuse to tolerate that like I in the same way that I don't tolerate milk I don't know if I can like physically tolerate that feeling that like homesick feeling for lack of a better term yeah you know yeah yes it's, it's not fun it's not fun it makes me not a version of myself that I I particularly like um yeah yeah uh 
So so watch out, world. I'm not doing anything for longer than I have to. Yes. I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to mention, because this is just like, a, it's such a short scene because it really comes like right before the Van Wyck monologue. But I do love a nuance of George Costanza is he knows the best places, the best public restrooms in every part of the city. I love that. That was a great, I think, yeah, it was, yeah. It was a great little mini scene that I think, again, very few other sitcoms, I feel like capture that kind of like natural banter between friends. Yeah. And he's like tossing a football up and he's just on the couch and, you know, Jerry's just throwing things at him and, and George is like such a pro. It's such like a party trick in a way too. But like, honestly, a great thing to know. <laughs> I would call George and be like, okay, here's where I am. Right. Yeah. When he's like the one building is like 14th floor. Use my name. She'll give you the key. Like I, yes, I yes. love the assumed narrative there. Like I just, I can picture George being a regular at this bathroom and there's some attendant that he's become friendly with, you know? Oh yeah. He's a mooch. Yeah. And yes, exactly. And I think that's all like my George notes that I had too. So I, I, I'm trying to think of anything we might have missed with the bus boy. I mean, that last monologue is great. Um, but should we should we get into Elaine? Let's get into Elaine. Elaine who, and you know, th- this episode has, as I'm assuming almost every episode has, where, you know, it intercuts with a couple, you know, stand-up bits of Jerry's. And I feel like, I don't know if it comes right before this, but, you know, he does have that whole bit about, you know, I'm not an anxious flyer, but I am anxious about getting to the airport. And I was like, okay, all right, Jerry. You, you do have your finger on the pulse because I, I also feel this way. You know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. Like, and he's right. It's like, you know, if you're going somewhere and it's like you're going to miss a bus, you're going to miss a train, you'll catch the next one. But, like, you, you can't – I guess you could maybe catch the next flight, but you – I don't want to trigger you. I know you have an experience with this. You can't always just catch <laughs> the next flight, you know? Yeah, sometimes when it's uh, 1045 at night, you're just stuck. Yeah. And you got to go to a hotel. But I do love the bit. I do love the bit about the cannon where he's like, uh, you know, we, we got this cannon that we could shoot you off in. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's yeah. like, oh, do you want to go here? Oh, you need to go to Dallas. And then he like pretends to like <laughs> shimmy the cannon the other way. It's so stupid and yet so effective. It's I great. love a good like acting out of things. Yeah. Yeah. The physical comedy of him doing that. It was like, that's exactly where Dallas is. It was a, it was it was very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then it, it's almost kind of like a, you know, an example of this anxiety is is um, the alarm not going off. And um, and I love the opening shot of Elaine, like, scrunched into, like, the very corner yes. of the bed. Like, I do not want any contact with you whatsoever. Oh, yeah. And we start to see her unravel a little bit in the scene before she, you know, she kind of has like a Kramer type entrance. She just like barrels in the Jerry's apartment. Mm. She's asking for aspirin. She's double checking that his car is going to be okay. And then, you know, because it sets up the urgency of this, too. And like right. I love how she says, like, uh, he's like, do you still have that alarm clock? And she's like, no, nah. she's like, I bought this new one. And if you, if you sleep in for longer than 10 minutes, it slaps you in the face. And then she just kind of like grins like a maniac and like runs out the door. Right, right, right. Um, right. Because uh. it does kind of set up. We know that she is ready to get this guy out. And, and we yes. know that his flight is at like 1015 or 10 or something like that. And so then the shot of the clock is 915 and her waking up. Uh. And nightmare nightmare and i love that then this entire scene is just one continuous shot yeah and it's i think it's... for like a minute and a half or like a minute and a half or longer it's this continuous shot of elaine just the tour de force <laughs> elaine packing and screaming i mean it's like just these little things like tomorrow are you crazy she's like shower are you out of your mind right. I, I always say this I say this to Jamie because she knows the reference but the whole like she does a really good Elaine when she goes shut up and pack like the way that she like <laughs> yeah. oh my god it's just she's like you're talking too much you're talking too much and of course this all leads to the brown sweater dance is basically oh, what I have on my notes thank you everything I mean I am before and after the brown sweater dance and he's like well where's yes. my brown sweater what brown, what brown sweater what, what you? And, and she yeah she's like running in place which, which brown sweater? And then, yeah, and then runs the drawer. You want a brown sweater? And, like, throws one of hers at, at, into his suitcase. You've got a brown sweater. Oh, my God. And goodness. then he's like, but that's not even my sweater. And she's like, it's brown. 
It's brown. That's one of my favorite moments. It's brown. The uh, way that she screams. He's like, you packed my shoes. And then this r- ridiculous monologue while she's struggling to put on a coat of like, shoes, shoes were invented in the fourth century. And it's like, <laughs> I, I, it's so, I mean, one of the things I love the most about this whole sequence is that at one point she runs completely off set, so to speak, you know, like, yep. and, and the camera doesn't cut. It like waits for her to come back in. And I just feel like it's one of those moments where like, yeah, this show works like a play, like all of the, this whole scene works as if it was on stage. Yeah, and I also love that this is the only time we see Ed, and I think this is, like, perfectly cast. Yeah. He's, like, kind of handsome, kind of dopey, like, you know, there's, like, three hairs on his head, you know, but at the same time he has, like, it's not completely gone. Uh, Perfect casting. Yeah, yeah, Ed was great. Um, You know, I mean, it's, like, God, when she's, like, trying to put his pants on and then he pulls them away and then she pulls them back. I mean, it's, I, I would love to know about the, like, like everything about doing this scene like I'm, I'm assuming all of this was i don't know actually i don't know how much of this was rehearsed how much of this was mapped out how much of it was like ed just go with her you know what i mean like i'd, I'd love to know how they figured this scene out yeah because you can't sort of plan out that like when he tugs the pants back right like, i doubt the script was that specific it was just like she's gonna put pants on you and like you decide whenever you tug them back or maybe they didn't even tell him that you know what i mean yeah i, I feel like a scene like this you you kind of you can't plan it too much because like it, it would just takes all the air out of it you know if like all of the beats were like very specific and like timed versus just kind of like the objective is pack as fast as you can, you know? Yeah, and it doesn't matter what she throws in the suitcase because it's like a comedy and it doesn't really matter. Right. It's just like it's just the like the sight gag of seeing her with that huge suitcase and just like her in her nightgown and a jacket. I love that. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I, I just love it. No, I've got this energy. I, just, I love because he's like, we're never going to make it. It's 45 minutes from here, and then, you know, and it's just – I. And and there was like I maybe kind of being familiar, like having the image in my head of trying to drive from Manhattan to JFK is like it just adds texture to like how much of a nightmare scenario this is. Yeah, and I I'm so glad that we didn't see the car ride, and then we got yeah. t- we were told about the car ride because that could have been an easy sight gag too, like her and like that you know a green screen car uh-huh. and swerving and swerving. Maybe in addition to the monologue or in replacement of it. But I'm so glad we got her this monologue. Yeah, I was almost, I was expecting a car scene. I wasn't disappointed, but I was like, oh, I could see that happening. But yeah, instead we get the aftermath of her, you know, in her own sort of Kramer-ish way, entering Jerry's apartment, completely disheveled. <laughs> and I, I mean, I don't know why my favorite part of this monologue is, and at Jewel Avenue, I took the median. I don't know why. That's <laughs> yes, just so funny. At Queens Boulevard, I took the left. At Jewel Ave, <laughs> I took the median. I took the median. Like the idea of like saying Jewel Avenue on television. It's such a like specific. I don't know Jewel Avenue like the back of my hand, but what I think when I think of Jewel Avenue, I think of like, oh, I'm on the way to the airport, you know? Yep. Um But yeah, oh, I have it in front of me. She's like, I never knew I could drive like that. I could see three, four moves ahead. I love that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at Queens Boulevard, I took the shoulder. At Jewel Avenue, I used the median. I had it. I was there. And then I hit the Van Wick. And I I mean, this is also feels this is where it felt like very inside baseball of like knowing about the van. I mean, I don't even I'm just like, oh yeah, I bet it's bad, you know? Yeah, I don't know the Van Wick, but you know, I know it now. Yeah, yeah, um, and I, I, and the the suspense that's built into the writing of like, they say no one's ever beaten the Van Wick, but gentlemen, I tell you this, I came as close as anyone ever has, and it was like I was almost as proud of her. It was like it was like the end of a league of their own, even though they lost. <laughs> I was still proud of them. You know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Oh, 
it's it's and it's almost like along the same vibe of um you know Antonio's monologue at the end too. It's it's mm-hmm. so dramatic but also like perfect. It's so perfect. And I I do love that George and Jerry also come to like kind of you know give her a pat on the shoulder. Uh-huh. You know, there's not really a lot of affection in Seinfeld, but I I do love that they both rallied for Elaine. Yeah, that was kind of a sweet moment. Yeah, when she was like, yeah, if it wasn't for that five car pileup on on you know Rockway Boulevard, that numbskull mm-hmm. would be on his way to Seattle and not downstairs looking for parking. I, and I love when Elaine whimpers a little bit. There's like several scenes where she does that, like the, the sort of like Elaine cry. It's so funny. Yeah, the, it was. This was. It was funny actually. This moment, and then after Antonio shows up and he, you know. Uh, hugs George and the and the audience claps and we get the high five. There was like I thought, man, this this is probably the most heartwarming Seinfeld is ever, and I'm getting it all in one yep. episode, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm glad that it you know it buttoned itself up so lovely. But yeah, I mean that I will never not laugh at her. And I love that we get like the packing scene, and then we also get like the aftermath. But like mm-hmm. both of those as a as a like a just like the perfect Elaine package. Yeah. Um, yeah, a good taste of what Julie Louis Dreyfus can do. I'd like to think that this was like her Emmy episode that she submitted for, you know, or at least one of her nominations. But you never know. I'm yeah. sure we could look that up. Amanda, let us know. Yeah, our, you know, our. Well, you may have one seen it, you know, so Seinfeld seen it. Yeah. I don't know how many questions there were about nominations and wins. So yeah, um, we'll we'll turn to the guru. But uh, yeah, this was this was great. This was really. Um, it's funny, Seinfeld. It's interesting how it's. I feel like it's a show I have to pay attention to. And like you wouldn't expect yeah. that from like a 22-minute sitcom where like you could zone out, but you actually would be missing something. That's true. It's like I was going to mention this earlier too. You you mentioned like Elaine and Jerry dating, but like beyond that, they kind of they're standalone episodes. There might be like a callback. Mhm. For like a specific character or scenario or something like that that comes back and bites them in the butt because that's just fun. But yeah, there's not. But you, with all that said, you do have to pay attention. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like appreciated that. I thought, oh, this is you know, I like, I like that I had to work for the joke a little bit, you know. Yes, yes. Ugh, I love it. Ah, oh, well, well, thank you for bringing. Uh, Seinfeld to Best Supporting Podcast mm. and, you know, of course, awakening me to the, you know, uh, for casual listeners who don't know, I I like a monkey quality, you know? I like That's a... That's true. Uh, I, I feel like he's uh, he's joining the ranks of guys who look a little bit like monkeys that... Um, yeah, who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk? Yeah, Kramer looks a little bit like a monkey. Uh, I know yep. there's the whole... I know, I know there's the whole racist thing and whatnot. And yeah, I, careful, but I know, careful. I'm right. I'm just evaluating what I saw in an episode from 1991. So, you know, well, yeah. you know save your faxes. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that means that we might even be getting played off by some Seinfeld music. Not that there is much Ooh. in the way of music. So we're going to have to talk to the orchestra and see what they can do. But I know that they're playing us off. Ugh, as always. So uh, where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other two podcasts at the moment, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast, and The Squirrel Friends Cocktail Hour, which where, where we are recapping All-Star 7 of RuPaul's Drag Race with Amanda Kaczynski, the aforementioned. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kachanoff. How about you? Uh, you could find me on my other two podcasts, in the details, a celebration of nuance or best supporting podcast. Nope, that's the one I'm on right now. All right, Mary, <laughs> uh, where we are also covering All Star Seven, and we are wrapping up our coverage of Drag Race España on nice. uh, Patreon, and we are kicking off a month of you know, uh, as if it could get any gayer on All Right, Mary. We're kicking off a month of gay things on Patreon, so Gatreon, if you will. So, oh, heyo. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore, and you can find both of us on Instagram in a best supporting capacity at BSA pod. Or you can send us an email at the BSA pod at gmail.com. Well, keep your papers peeled because coming up 
very shortly as the Best Supporting After Show, which, as you may or may not know, lives exclusively on Patreon at patreon.com slash bsapod. And that is where we will be catching up on the things we've been watching, doing, eating, uh, being, thinking, hearing, but also the assignments that we've given each other, our BSAs of the week, and then we just get the hell out of there. There's really no surprise ending or anything like that. But if you want to join us and get early access to episodes just like this, just go to patreon.com slash bsapod. Get on over there, everyone. Join the party. Yeah. Take the Van Wick. Um, take the Van Wick. Yeah. Um, just ask Uncle Lenny. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I, at this point, I think um, all that's left to say, I mean, let's be honest, is, uh, is that that, as they say, is that.